Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas mi gente, que es la que hay, what's good, this Machete Mate back at it again this week with the current events, well sort of current events, right, it's kind of 50-50 current events, 50-50 are old school OG, um, kind of deep dive, kind of shallow dive into the 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 draft of the recently um, sort of constructed constitution that's, that's going to be voted on this weekend in Chile, I'm very excited for us very exciting for people who actually believe in you know democracy and like people's rights and human rights and all this stuff um this week it's just two of us um i'm leroy coming to you from melbourne australia nomland we're here with the homie t what's good man hey how's it going yeah just the two of us because um mr mr's um m.i.a again somewhere anyway um but yeah man what's good how are you Oh, you know, I'm 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 chilling. Uh, can't complain. Same old, same old. Um, uh, just working. Curious about, you know, really just kind of looking forward to see what the Chilean people decide. Because uh, that vote is coming in this Sunday. Uh, there's been many very transformative plebiscites in Chile in the last few years amid uh, incredible social struggle, uh, social uprisings taking place. So you know, really. It's this is part of a broader trend in the region as a whole, a, a moving into a, you know, a possibly more equitable, uh, equitable world. Yeah, inshallah. Um, it'll be interesting because obviously Australia, I probably shouldn't say obviously, but Australia has a quite sizable Chilean community. So here, mm-hmm. if you meet a, a Spanish speaking person, chances are that they're Chilean and then Colombian. And a lot of the Chilean, or the vast majority of them came over, you know, after the coup, like during the 80s, during um, the dictatorship and stuff. So it's very much tied to these processes. So um, it'll be interesting because Chile and a lot of South American, you know, elections do a very good job at like the international vote, at mobilizing people internationally um, voting. So it'll be interesting um, seeing the early votes coming out of Australia and New Zealand and stuff like that to see... Um, what the trend is um but yeah we'll, we'll we'll definitely see um otherwise on a personal note i'm doing all right um uh, for a bit of a later start today because i have a work day today but like i work in the afternoon the evening we're setting up the store which is why i'm able to do this now um but yeah like no real big complaints the little one's doing all right he's nice getting big he's learning he's um definitely definitely like miraculous miraculous growth day by day Weather's been so-so here. It's definitely improving. It's definitely like two steps forward, one step back in terms of like warming up. But I'll, I'll, I'll take that as opposed to just being fucking cold and miserable all the time. But it is Melbourne and people will tell you like you don't come to Melbourne for the weather. But um, it is what it is. Um, right. You have, you have you have the wrong seasons, right? Everything's the other way around. Like you're yeah. in winter right now because it's the wrong season. Yeah, yeah. So we're going into spring right. as well. And it's wild because the rain starts at the floor and goes up. It's, it's, it's wild. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
That's crazy. That's just yeah. wild as fuck. Yeah, grass grows downward. It's 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 incredible. It's right, right, right. <laughs> I imagine that makes gardening like way more like bro. Probably different. Now, than- now you know why I'm so obsessed and why I'm so frustrated all the time because shit just doesn't oh, make sense that makes anymore. So much sense. Wow, wow. <laughs> anyway, all good. Um, I say we we kick it off. We get into it. So yeah. So today we're gonna be talking primarily or probably mostly about um the new constitution to hopefully will be pushed forward um recent polls that i've seen i haven't seen anything from like today or the last couple of days it was sort of borderline if it was going to get approved um but we'll see um there's obviously a lot of reasons why i'm um, a big reasons probably there's still a lot of reactionary forces there that are still pushing against this um which is to be expected when like you're kind of talking about a country whose entire society has been based on reaction for the last what like 50 years now you know what i mean um which, but it's incredible that we've gotten to this point. Um, so just a little back, bit of background. So we know that boards got elected. They've drafted a new constitution in a constitutional convention. It's going to be voted on this um, weekend. But I think before we get into the actual constitution, because it is a very interesting constitution, we should probably give a little bit of background of how we got here. We might start off like way, way back, and then we'll do the more recent things that took place to get us here. Um, but yeah, we'll start like, as most people know, and we were talking about off air, most people know about the 1973 coup against Allende. So we have Salvador Allende, who was the first Marxist president to be elected democratically. Um, say what you say about how, you know, orthodox or how strict of a Marxist he is. It was still a miraculous thing that, especially in the region, he was he was elected. And obviously, um, global capital couldn't wouldn't take that. There's a famous Wouldn't line by it. exactly. There's that the famous line by I think it was Kissinger saying that um we're gonna make the Chilean economy scream. Something about um they have elections, but we can't let the people like waste democracy on voting in communism or or something like that. So basically saying like yeah they had an election but it's bullshit because they're voting for like like this motherfucker essentially. Um so Pinochet comes to power he does what he does um, and then basically gets in contact or I think probably the Chicago boys get in contact with him. So it's this set of libertarian quote unquote thinkers at University of Chicago. They come in, basically redo the entire Chilean commu- uh, uh, society and economy in their image. Um, and we got what we had in Chile, basically full neo- neoliberalism. They were sort of the playground. They were sort of the, um, the proving ground for neoliberal policy across the planet. So obviously we had a lot of neoliberal reforms in the U.S., in the U.K., but what we saw in Chile was essentially an entire transformation of neoliberalism in a like neoliberal, neoliberalism in one country, right? Um, basically, everything's privatized, and they passed a constitution. It was in 1980, if I'm not mistaken, or early 80s. That basically, like we were talking about, it basically entrenched all of these things in there. It wasn't, you know, and <laughs> it's a great contrast to the current constitution because this was drafted by members of the Chicago Boys by people from the Catholic University of Santiago, a deeply reactionary institution, more so back then than now. Um, The Constitution, I mean, it's a joke. Uh, What's funny, though, is when you look at it, in many respects, it... (laughs) It seems very, if you're an American, it seems very, very familiar. You know, a powerful Senate. Um, The executive, though, is an incredibly powerful institution, widely regarded as one of the most powerful presidents, um, not just in Latin America, but in the world, um, with broad discretionary powers uh, related specifically around the budget. And, you know, budgets are, you know, if you pay attention to government at all, the budget is the thing that governments are usually always uh, discussing, debating, it's always budget season, right? Especially local government. Um, 
follow your local governments, people. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, one of the most uh, kind of like egregious aspects of that original constitution um, was their system of uh, electing the Senate and the deputies, right? Yeah. So basically, you know, there were two seats per district for both houses of Congress. Um, but one of the tricks of it was that it required whichever party that came in first place to win double the votes uh, that were uh, won by the second place party in order to take both seats. So what this did was it it essentially uh, made the possibility of any party from gaining both seats very, very low. What this did was it allowed um, you know conservative uh, organizations, conservative parties uh, to to basically know that they would always have at least a seat. It was just a part, uh, it was a way to control any kind of progressive left-wing parties. It was known, it was called the binomial system. Yeah. And because of this, it allowed conservatives to essentially uh, have a lockstep on the Congress uh, for years and years on end. And uh, pairing that with the very high uh, uh, rules on passing legislation for, uh, everything from just basic legislative changes to constitutional reforms, it essentially, it, it locked it as a, uh, in the hands of the presidency. Um, another thing too about it was it essentially, you know, one of the few things that the president couldn't do was uh, influence uh, the top brass in the military. So, you know, the president, you know, in the United States, for example, the president uh, is, is the commander in chief. He has supreme authority over the armed forces. He can hire and fire and promote anybody he wants. Um, that wasn't the case in Chile. And there's a reason for that. Uh, the military had launched the coup. The military was the guarantor of, of reactionary politics in Chile for so long. Um, matter of fact, uh, when uh, the plebiscite to get rid of Pinochet happened, you know, what, where, where does Pinochet go? Senator for life yep. retains his uh, military rank. Uh, the military remains a reactionary institution in Chile during the buildup in the last two years. We, we kept on hearing very, you know, nasty and uncomfortable and kind of disturbing remarks from uh, senior military leaders in Chile, you know, basically hinting at like, Oh, you know, we remember what we did last time. Ha ha ha. Wink, wink. Um, but these systems also had economic sides to it. So it was among the most, you know, quote unquote, libertarian yeah. uh, economic system in, in all the region. You know, every, yeah. you know, most the most notorious yeah. thing is that the water is privatized out there. You know, what does that mean? Well, water is a public utility. Uh, I know at least in the United States, I'm sure that is the case in Australia, uh, probably more so than here in the U.S. as well. There are like private public partnerships in the U.S., but yeah. in Chile, that's, those are private companies that ran your drinking water, right? Um, I mean, it's it's, <laughs> and, and they were essentially unregulated. You know, over the years, uh, regulations would come into place. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, the thing, the effect that that has, I think, because we, we should really talk about that, especially within the context of you know climate change and everything, and like poverty and all that stuff, is that basically you when you privatize a natural resource like this, it affects everything, especially water. So because it's private, people lost access to drinking water farmers now how to pay ridiculous prices for 
for water. So they couldn't grow the crops. So land went fallow. So like food stopped coming in. Like so grocery prices like skyrocketed, right? And then because the policy is the policy, because the ideology the ideology, it's that whole like bootstraps mentality. You know what I mean? Well, you know, just fucking work harder. You know what I mean? Like all like look at these shanty towns, they just need to, you know, fucking work and shit, right? Um, but it's incredible. And I think just going back a little bit to um the way the structure of like the Congress there and everything. Um with and one thing another thing that the constitution did as well, it didn't outright like ban political parties, but it banned yeah. parties from having from talking about um class consciousness or like talking about class, which basically eliminated anything that we remotely believe in, you know what I mean? Anything that we organized around automatically out so you where you're left with is fascists you know conservatives and then like milk toast centrist liberals you know what i mean who are all about not those class issues but um but yeah or or, or these kind of like mega coalitions that existed yeah. and what i mean mega coalition not in terms of its actual size but that essentially anything <laughs> anything to the left of uh Mussolini <laughs> was basically was were forced to be in the same camp right yeah um of course that would eventually backfire on them of course in 1988 with mm-hmm. the plebiscite uh that remove you know that ends Pinochet's power at that point you know this is an interesting time when this even happened you know you know real quick you know this Chile really gives lie to the whole uh, right-wing libertarian idea of a weak government, you know, oh, we're against government, overbearing government, this, that, and the other. Yes, man. It's false. Yeah. It's absolutely false. You know, throughout all of time, markets and the rich need a strong central state to function, right? They've always needed a strong central fate to, uh, state to function. Capitalists love big government. They love a strong government. Um, What they dislike and what they then accuse, you know, the only time they start screaming and uh, ranting and raving about overweening government is if that government is going to do anything good for people, for regular people, working people, right? That's it. That's all it is. You know, unlimited power to the police, unlimited power to the military, you know, for all the so-called freedoms, quote unquote, the economic freedoms that existed in Chile. This is still a country that had a, you know, that was torturing people that was disappearing people that had banned. Yeah. That banned any form of politics. Like you said, uh, uh, Leroy, that uh, even mentioned class consciousness now. And you know, that's given a wide interpretation of course, by the legal system. Another thing too, is they had a constitutional tribunal, um, which is very similar to the U S Supreme court that could then like, this was the final stop gate. You know, if, you know, any kind of liberal or left uh, in- organizations and politicians were able to maybe push some kind of reform through these really high, um, uh, go through these really high barriers or go over these really high walls, um, there was still the constitutional tribunal that they had to deal with, which could decide whether or not essentially at the power of judicial review over yeah. whether this was, you know, going to be legal or not. I mean, it was, it was a very, it was a right winger's dream. It was, a, it was, a, it was a capitalist dream constitution. However, um, as we were getting to 88, the plebiscite happens. And this is because this era, you know, he was started, you know, Pinochet was starting to get pressure from his allies in both DC and in London um, to legitimate his rule is, is essentially the, was the argument, you know, um, uh, from what I understand, Thatcher, uh, was particularly insistent on this point, interestingly enough. 
um, to, you know, that they had to legitimize the, the, the presidency of Pinochet. And well, it backfired. Uh, they lost the vote and this, you know, began the quote unquote restoration of democracy. Now, unfortunately, conservative parties still ran the show for yeah. many years. Um, there was simmering discontent. There were some freedoms. People were allowed to speak their minds and organize more openly that they had uh, under Pinochet. The, you know, the, the dark clouds had, had started to scatter. You know, people were seeing some sun. Um, and this did lead to some reforms before this current constitution. As a matter of fact, that binomial yeah. system we were talking about uh, does get removed uh, relatively recently, but it did get removed before uh, the current social unrest. And if I'm not mistaken as well, in that period, um, the, the Dina started to lose a little bit of power as well. That's like basically their federal Gestapo, essentially, like their federal yeah, police. Yeah. Um, it's like it, it didn't like dissipate. I think they still exist, but it definitely wasn't the what it was. It wasn't the shadowy sort of thing that it was as much under Pinochet. Right, right. Um, it's less about, uh, you know, they're like you said, they go from being like the Gestapo to being like the FBI. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, still bad, obviously. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little it's like marginally better. Um, yeah. But there were reforms in the subsequent decades, and this is matched by the demonstrations that had started to percolate civil society really starts coming back in a big way civic organizations uh, labor unions uh, different organizations like that really start coming back over the years slowly fitfully um, but things started to pop off um, especially in um, pretty much in the uh, mid uh, so, you know, mid 2010s. Uh, so, you know, this is where we start having student demonstrations, enormous student demonstrations. This is when the Mapuche get a lot more restive. Um, this is also where the Chilean feminist movement really starts to build uh, strength. Um, the Mapuche especially were galvanized by the murder of a uh, the son of an indigenous leader, of a Mapuche leader, very yeah. much galvanized uh, the modern contemporary uh, uh Mapuche liberation movement, I guess we could call, definitely call it that. Um, students become much more radical and, and led, largely led by one Gabriel Boric. Yeah, a young student activist named Gabriel Boric at the time. Um, he's one of many of the leaders. He actually come, came out of the libertarian socialist uh, uh, camp in, in uh, Chile, which is kind of ironic uh, to think of that. Um, now he's the president. Um, but things really, and the modern day, or not modern day, because we're talking about the modern day, but things really kind of, kind of blow over and and really kind of explode, as they call it, um, in October of 2019. Yeah. Right now, there had been decades of political organization um, and and demonstrations, like I said, uh, for a bit, you know. Um, but it is in October 2019 that. In Santiago, um, demonstrations kind of exploded over uh, the right-wing president, Sebastian Piñera. Uh, they were trying to raise the fair rates uh, really in an exorbitant way. Um, the A lot of Chileans, especially the students, relied on the uh, public transport or on the, on the uh, public transport in order to uh, make their way around the city. Uh, the fair hikes uh, led to enormous demonstrations. There was massive looting, rioting, um, 
at least uh, over half. Oh, oh. So, so dogs have opinions on Chile. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I got I got my guest podcasters who are um, they're just really frustrated. They're really angry about. Um, they're really angry. Otto and Buck are really furious about what happened in in Chile in those days. So that's why they were making. They were making their voices heard, <laughs> and I think uh, uh, being of of German descent, they're angry at the um, protection of Nazis by the um, yes, the yes, government. deeply disgusted by by what uh, went. Happened. that as well, the whole pedophile it's, freaking thing. Yeah, that's right. They're just very angry about it. But um, uh, let, saying, let me let me just jump in real quick. Um, you mentioned that the president Sebastian Piñera is. It's it's significant to mention the fact that his brother was a finance minister when the concept that nineteen eighty constitution was being written. So he's basically right. the the lead liaison with the Chicago boys. So that's right. He was the first person in charge and he was the last person in charge. You know what I mean? The hoping yet that's quite, it's almost like poetic. poetic. You know what I mean? Anyway, sorry for yeah. interrupting. No, 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 you're good. You're good. And I think and I would say that the dogs are are um sorry for interrupting, but they're not. They're definitely not sorry to to interrupt. Um anyway, um so yeah, you know, we get to the demonstrations in October of 2019. Uh, they, you know, to say they were massive is is very much an understatement. Um, it, it immediately kind of leads to, uh, so as I was saying, over half of Santiago's metro stations were were damaged um, by numerous fires, uh, riots, and protests. And demonstrations broke out throughout the country. Um, yeah. In the coming weeks, uh, pretty much, you know, in Santiago alone, a million people demonstrated, right? That's about 5% of Chile's total population. Yeah. So when yeah. I say massive, I'm talking like the entire country was in a upsurge. Yeah, um, there's, there's that one um, famous picture of that big monument in one of their main squares that it was just pe- like thousands of people have climbed this thing they put flags they graffiti the entire thing like it's just an ocean of people it's it's quite it's quite remarkable oh yeah and you know it's they started tearing down statues uh, yeah. of uh famed uh you know assholes of times past in chile um something that people in the united states especially if you live in the american south uh you definitely uh when if you saw those demonstrations they would have looked very very familiar to you um the you know these these are organizations that you know or th- these protests whether it's north or south very much are taking aim not just at the at material interests because there's always a political program and an economic program but there also there's also ideological and, and symbolic components to it you know tearing down those statues was emblematic of the yeah. changes that they were demanding of the political and economic program that they were demanding um yeah. So because I think sorry to interrupt again. I think the the significance of that as well is that when it comes, especially when when it comes to building society, especially moving away from something. When we could talk about, it's been like fifty years since you know the the, the the coup, whatever. But that's not that long of a time in the grand scheme of things, right? And what society needs to be able to truly entrench like an ideology or like a a, a societal culture is this almost like myth making, right? This creation story this creation myth of how we got here and i think 
the significance of tearing down those statues is that is like we're not buying into this bullshit. This is just a piece of like marble, whatever. Like they they mean they have no right. significance. So ripping those down is like symbolic of ripping ripping down that 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 myth making, that creation story making. You know what I mean? That's right. Because that's that's right. Because that's one of the things that people in the south so hold on to. They still have this notion of like this great time what is it all about it's about going back to the good old days this you know nostalgia or whatever and by pulling those down like they're saying like there's no nostalgia to that time it's fucking bullshit like that entire period led to the bullshit that we're dealing with with now that's right that's right um and so you know the protests continue um the pinero government was scared enough to offer concessions almost immediately um they suspended the fair hikes they uh, offered to, um, there was, they, uh, decided they were going to try to raise, they were going to raise pension payments and the minimum wage. Uh, they wanted, they were going to attempt to reduce, uh, the cost, uh, me- uh, medicine and electricity costs. Um, but it wasn't enough. Um, it was, uh, the protests simply grew and grew and yeah. grew until they agreed to hold a plebiscite on uh, on a new constitution on, on whether on whether to have a new constitution. So, uh, in November of that year, 2019, um, both uh, the government and opposition parties uh, came together and issued you know had a, a they, it was the 12 point agreement for social peace and a new constitution. Um, basically, the proposal this would be the plebiscite. The the question there would be two questions on the first vote, right? And it was going to be, should there be a new constitution? Yes or no? Um, The second question would be, should the constitutional convention be made of members of half members of Congress and half special, uh, you know, elected delegates? Or should the convention be entirely elected delegates with no Congress? Um, So they, you know, as the... uh, you know, the, uh, the decision to call the referendum was, uh, you know, widely lauded in, in Chile. Uh, the protest demands had started to evolve in that direction. You know, it, the, it sort of became a thing where like all these disparate, uh, political questions, all these disparate, you know, the, the fair, uh, Mapuche sovereignty, all these things, um, uh, desires for a greater, greater inclusion of women in civil life and in social life. They kind of, you know, basically people realized that, you know, the only way they were going to be able to address all these issues was to completely tear down the uh, existing political structure of Chile. Um, and so what happens is that they agree to hold uh, the uh, a, a constitutional cle- uh, a plebiscite for this. Uh, the plebiscite would happen in uh, 2020, uh, a year later. Um, in which, uh, you know, they would, they would decide, uh, they would elect the delegates and they would, uh, basically the question was, will we, will we have delegates, you know, will we have a constitutional convention? And what happened was overwhelming majority, uh, voted for in favor of, uh, of the constitutional convention, as well as the second question. Um, it was going to be entirely, uh, uh, based, uh, in, uh, Especially elected delegates, so no members of Congress. This was a stunning rebuke yeah. to the existing 
political parties. Uh, again, this was a year after uh, the demonstrations and the agreement onto on holding a, a constitutional convention. So, you know, October 2019, we have the protests that are increasing in ferocity. We finally have in November of 2019, the government agreeing to, uh, to have a plebiscite on whether there should be a new constitution. October 2020, again, we're, this is a brief overview. Uh, lots of things happen. Um, in October 2020, they have the plebiscite. And yes, sure enough, they're going to have uh, uh, a new constitution and especially elected delegates. Yeah, I just want to jump in here real quick, um, kind of tangential. But I think this is a great case study into tying protests, tying like, you know, direct action to an actual ultimate goal. Because I think we always talk about it. One of the mistakes of um, 2019, the summer of 2019 in Puerto Rico was like a third of the island came out, protested against Jose Yo. He got kicked out, but then there was nothing further. You know what I mean? That was like sort of the end point. Right. Instead of tying it to like something of societal significance, you know what I mean? Because then in the next election, another PNP was, you know, another statehood corrupt person was was elected. And I think this is a case study and how to move forward with the protest, how to organize your, your goals and have a clear goal, not just protest for the sake of it. We're okay, one and done, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Understanding that protest, understanding that moving towards change, moving towards revolution, whatever label you want to put on, is a is a process, is a journey with an end goal, like an end line, like a finish line way down the road. Nothing, it's not going to be an immediate thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I think when it, when it comes to Puerto Rico too, you know, you, it was it was very convenient for Roseo to be kind of uh, the focal point. It it had, you know, the upside was that it was very easy to explain. You know, we're we're hitting the streets and we're going on demonstration because of this motherfucker, right? Yeah. The downside, of course, is that once he does go, then what? Exactly. Right? Then what? Um, and that that question wasn't wasn't debated. Um, Although, you know, there has been many demonstrations recently in Puerto Rico. Once again, we'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, stay over tuned. The, yeah, stay tuned over the continuing blackouts and brownouts and the just the complete fucked uh, state of the electrical grid down there. But like you said, that was tangential. Um, so, yes, October 2020, um, we get the, uh, the vote. So people will remember, though, that in October 2020... Um, there is something about to hit very soon that had hit, and that was COVID-19. It already happened. Um, they had put off the vote uh, multiple times. Um, you know, there was starting to get fears that uh, Pinera was just, they were just going to cancel the vote, but it goes through. Uh, f- next big vote comes in May of uh, 2021. Uh, on uh, May 15th of 2021, uh, the uh, Constitutional Convention election takes place where they're going to choose the delegates. And in a further shunning, like just a stunning uh, rebuke of the political system, the political structure of Chile, a majority of delegates are from parties of the left. Uh, now, when I say parties of the left, I don't mean established parties because of the way the delegate, uh, the election system kind of worked. A lot of people ran as independents, but yeah. on the same, what's called an electoral list. Um, American P- listeners will not know what that means, but pretty much anywhere else in the rest of the world will understand what that <laughs> means. Um, <laughs> um, so you had a fair number of independents uh, get uh, elected that were 
basically representative of the far left. And yeah. I mean the far left. You had the Chilean Communist Party, you know, back again. You had different socialists and left-wing parties um, uh, elected. Another important point, too, is that um, gender parity was required uh, yeah. for the convention. This is this was an amazing concession of Piñera's government and kind of goes to show how terrified they were that they were going to be like straight up overthrown, that not just gender parity, uh, but also uh, guaranteed seats uh, for uh, indigenous nations yeah. in Chile. Uh, again, this is this. Uh, they were not recognized as separate from the Chilean state, especially in the 1980 constitution. There's no mention of the Mapuche. It's just yeah. the Chilean. Yeah. And um, I, I think we really need to talk about like, we're talking about Chile, right? We're talking about that meme, you know, the whole helicopter ride thing that comes from the fact that right. Pinochet and the government were literally disappearing and throwing communists out of fucking, you know, planes and yeah. helicopters, you know, what? I mean? thousands and thousands and thousands of people, right? You go to the national stadium, right? Underneath those were those were torture chambers, right? There's the there's yep. the story of um Victor Hara, who was like, you know, the the leftist yeah. musician, had his hands smashed, you know, he was, you know, disappeared and murdered, whatever. And now we're talking about out and out communists organizing to build and craft a future Chile. You know what I mean? Like that's like, that's, we- that's 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 a trajectory that's almost unimaginable. The and and I mean honestly, the the types of torture. Um, I, you know, I would strongly advise people to look into it, but not if you're, you know, faint of heart or because it's, there's some really, really disturbing, grotesque um, methods of torture they employed, especially related to violence towards women. Um, I'm not going to repeat it uh, on the show, uh, but, you know, that information is out there. So coming from that to requiring half of the elected delegates to be women is yeah. again an astonishing, astonishing change. Um, inconceivable to people, you know, even like just five years ago. Um, and, you know, guaranteed seats for the indigenous. Again, this is Chilean, the Chilean ruling class was not, you know, it was a, your typical, uh, like Criollo motherfuckers, like that, you know, who believe themselves to be more European than the Europeans in many respects. Um, uh, So again, there's a reason um, Germans ended up there after (laughs) World War II. Yeah, that's right. Don't, don't ask. Don't ask where your grandfather was um, after World War II. Whatever. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's just it's it's genuinely stunning. How you know what what has taken place? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they they get in on May fifteenth. The uh, delegates are elected, and uh, sure enough, um, I think I, I, I and actually I you know. Um, this is this is kind of uh, hard, you know. They 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 get the delegates, um, and so they begin work. Uh, they begin work yeah. on the constitution um, again. Now, the single largest faction in the constitutional convention was a right wing party. It was a traditional conservative party, but um, they did not have enough votes. And like their goal leading into the convention vote was they wanted to get enough votes enough seats in the constitutional convention to where they could block, like to basically uh, 
have veto power over any more radical changes to the Constitution. Um, but they didn't. They did not succeed. Uh, parties of the left, independents of the left, uh, captured a majority of the seats. And this very much became a Constitution of the left. Now, again, remember what we said at the beginning. During the Pinochet years, anything to the left of Mussolini was essentially cobbled together into like a broad coalition. So when we say parties of the left, this represents everything from like like a Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden style liberal to the Communist Party, yeah. to, to like libertarian socialists who, like, who had it'd be it'd be like a Mitt Romney, Rand Paul, all the way to like Bernie Sanders, like you know what I mean, like. Even to the left of Bernie Sanders, like imagine yeah. the most obnoxious uh, tanky in your town. Like that's, it's that's, it's that's like me. Mitt Romney to the most obnoxious tanky or the most obnoxious anarchist you know, all in the same political organization. Yeah. Like that that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, so this is important to remember because as the Constitution is being written, there's still demonstrations going on. There's still you know. Chilean society is engaged and energized in ways that they haven't been in, you know, decades. Um, uh, labor unions are going on strike. The truckers, especially, although there's some, str- you know, yeah, that's an episode that's, that's, of its own. Yeah, it's, the, it's complicated. It's complicated. The truckers yeah, are complicated. Truckers, yeah, truckers union in Chile is is rather complicated for a number of reasons. Um, I think we've addressed it on previous episodes uh, back way back when, uh, when discussing Chile. Um, I, I think there was a trucker strike a couple of years ago that kind of like, that was like, mm, okay, yeah. all right, we'll see. But anyway, um, uh, so it's important to remember that, you know, it was, is the, even though it was a left-wing conven- constitutional convention, it was still a, um, there are still liberals there and there's still moderates there as well. And, and, you know, there's a funny thing that happens whenever, like, far-left people uh, get elected. You know, oftentimes there's a kind of cautiousness that immediately takes hold. You know, when you start acting within the uh, within a, uh, I guess you could say a bourgeois political process, uh, there's a strange kind of caution that, that sets in. Um, now, we'll continue fast-forwarding because, like I said, we're, we're hitting. And, and again, I'm getting more contributions from uh, one of the boys here, one of the dogs. Um, he's, he's very passionate about Chilean politics. Um, <laughs> spe- special guest, uh, Otto. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess in the, Otto would be the case here. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, we get to the next big vote that happens in Chile um, that kind of sets the stage for this. Uh, and that is uh, the parliamentary elections. And once more, number three, Gabriel Boric is elected uh, the president of, of Chile. Uh, the parties of the left uh, gain a majority in the uh, Chamber of Deputies. Um and, uh, well, no, they don't get a, a majority in the Chamber of Deputies. The right wing no. did get a majority in the Chamber of Deputies. Uh, but uh, there was a showing of basically the new political party, Boric's party, uh, becomes the new left party in, in Chile. He was running, of course, against Jose Antonio Cast, uh, who was basically, I mean, straight out of central casting. Like you said, Leroy, this is someone who... <laughs> like, this is someone who, you know, his family had connections to those to those post World War II <laughs> expats. Yeah, expats. <laughs> I'll go say refugees, but expats is probably a better word for it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I, I tell you, he, <laughs> his party, the Republican party, um, was called that very intentionally. Um, you might be thinking American, oh, that's, we have a Republican party that sucks ass. Yes. That was literally what, who he was taking inspiration, uh, inspiration from who he was modeling his policies, which is like, get. I think you've mentioned before, like when it comes to fascists, believe them when they tell you who they are. Yeah. 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 Believe them. You know, they're, they, you know, they're honest. They're, they, they're, they, they have a weird honesty. It's like the devil's honesty. It's, it's, it's an honesty born out of that can only come from hell, you know, where, where some, <laughs> no, I mean this, I mean this, it's, it's like this, they're, they somehow lie and tell the truth at the same time. It's, it's, just, it's, it's Yeah. It, it, the fucking dialectics of the damned is what it is. Uh, uh, but yeah, they, they, Yo, it is. They they lie and they tell the truth at the same time. So you know when they when they <laughs> when when a Chilean political party calls itself the Republican Party, you best damn be sure know what they mean and you know believe them. <laughs> um, but they lost. Um, they lost the presidency. Um, it goes to Boric. Now we are coming to the Constitution itself, and I think at this point we can kind of end this little background. Uh, uh, on the constitution the the, they've been working this whole time the the convention had a year that was set uh, in which to 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 draft it um now i think uh you know and so we're going to come up and so the next vote the next big vote is going to be this sunday so i guess now we'll get into the constitution and some of the major differences uh between uh the old constitution and the new constitution and to say that it is uh, night and day is also an understatement. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, in the past, way, way, way back, we covered the um, Bolivian Constitution with its beautiful long preamble, like that you read. It was amazing. You know what I mean? Um, this doesn't include that. It's very, very, very short. But I think it does a good job at basically saying this is what Chile is now. Um, and I'm gonna just read it real quick if you don't mind. Um, the only copy we could find is the, is the Spanish copy. Allegedly, there's English versions, but we couldn't, we couldn't find it. So I'll read it in Spanish and then I'll, I'll translate it, right? So it goes, Nosotros y nosotros, el pueblo de Chile, conformado por diversas naciones, nos otorgamos libremente esta constitución acordado, acordada en un proceso participativo, paritario y democrático. So basically what it's saying is, um, Nosotros y nosotros, so we, like male and female, the people of Chile, um, basically constituted from diverse nations, we approve, we put forth freely this constitution agreed upon in a particip- participatory, equal, and democratic process. So basically, like it's acknowledging... The, like it's, it's acknowledging genders, it's acknowledging different... It's a plurinational society. It's acknowledging that it's an equal participatory democratic process as well. So those are probably the three, I think out of everything that we just talked about moving forward and what was asked um, for from the government is there, right? Is this gender parity, this plurinationalism, and then this actual democratic process moving forward. It's a direct, it's a direct challenge to the previous constitution. Um, The previous constitution just talks about Chileans the previous constitution was not participatory. The previous constitution has nothing to say, uh, you know, did not give a shit about women. Um, it's a direct challenge 
uh, to the previous constitution. Yeah. So I think, you know, some important points that have already kind of uh, that are floating around now that have been discussed is uh, you may have seen that they are abolishing their Senate. So that very powerful Senate uh, that existed in the previous Constitution, the previous government, that was very much designed like the U.S. Senate to prevent any kind of reasonable change is is changing to a uh, essentially a chamber of regions. Um, So it's being strongly weakened uh, with power being decentralized to the point that they, in the constitution, it is granting some uh, tax uh, power to the regions. This is a major strengthening of, uh, in particular, like the Mapuche, for example, uh, some control over their lands and in some fiscal authority, which did not exist in the previous government. It was all centralized in Santiago. Um, I think some other interesting points about this is uh, there. Uh, addressing the the water situation, so there it uh, there will be the establishment of a national water agency uh, because now water will be a human right in Chile. Again, going from privatized water to a uh, to water clearly elucidated as a human right. Yeah. Same for healthcare. So there, uh, the constitution is requiring the establishment of a of a of of a universal healthcare system, which did not exist. Um, it also, they're also establishing, um, independent, uh, political bodies, uh, to protect the rights of nature. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of something that, you know, uh, we especially are obsessed with. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I don't think they go quite as far as to proclaim, you know, when we read or whatever, but right, right. off the bat, I think it's in the second or third article, it talks about like, that Chile is a democratic society, you know, all people are equal and it's equal with nature, right? It's, 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 everyone's equal. This is a democratic society within the context of, of nature. And I think by proclaiming that that needs to be foundation, otherwise, you know, reforming the, like the way the water is distributed, reforming the way land is used doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Cause all that'll do is just basically, It'll be a different way to sort of exploit the land, exploit the water, exploit the resources by proclaiming that we are at the mercy of nature puts it, you know, front and center that basically anything we do needs to be in respect of nature, in respect of these of these resources. And so, you know, to that end, um, the basically uh, the many of the natural resources are now being kind of are, are, are mandated in the constitution as, as essentially like the patrimony of, of all the people um, when it was again, fully privatized before. So because of that um, certain uh, uh, natural uh, like glaciers, certain like large bodies of water, um, certain natural scenes are now protected from uh, exploitation, or at least the constitution mandates that. Oh, yeah. It's difficult to see what that will mean, uh, what it could mean. We've seen a lot of high language, high, you know, really beautiful language in the Bolivian constitution, in uh, Ecuador, for example, but that hasn't ended uh, the extractivist policies of even governments that we, you know, are quite, you know, view Fond. rather positively, yeah. you know? You know, the, you know, extractivism does not, is not a right wing or a left wing thing, right? It's a government thing. It's a state thing. Government's going to government. 
Right, exactly. Government's going to government. Um, so it does remain to be seen how this is going to look. Uh, the mining issue was, it was, they were unable to address that with clear language. Um, whether, uh, you know, who will issue permits or, you know, will they have to reacquire permits, things along those lines. (laughs) You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Pardon. Um, so there are some interesting points in the constitution. Um, it does define Chile as a quote, social state, a, a, a state for the people, a participatory state. Um, uh, one difficult, uh, and again, they were the, when it comes to the mining thing in the previous constitution, um, they, uh, basically permits were absolute essentially. And so there was a proposal to get, uh, to create a system of temporary, uh, uh, permits that could be revoked if uh, the company got out of out of hand, uh, essentially. Um, Sorry, just quickly, I'm just jumping here real quick. Um, I think the reason why mining is important is it could be argued that the coup in 1973 was all about fear of the nationalization of copper and of all of these resources because a lot of Chile's economy was based on mining. So then here comes as a Marxist president and goes, "Oh shit, they're gonna private, they're gonna." you know, nationalize everything. We're going to lose our profits. The, the global North is going to lose all this profits, all its, you know, cheap resources. Let's fucking coup this guy. There's that argument to be made there. So it's super important that that is addressed here as well. That's right. That's right. Um, now, one interesting thing, and it's Chile is about to embark on an experiment similar to other countries of the left in uh, Latin America in terms of trying to come to terms with its indigenous population. So certain, uh, you know, before when they really didn't have much of any influence over decision-making for their lands, they will now, uh, indigenous peoples, uh, specifically Mapuche, their institutions uh, will be consulted or it's mandated that they uh, basically uh, they will, um, yeah, you know, so it defines Chile as a plurinational state, and yeah. there's going to be special laws uh, for the indigenous. They will, uh, there will be a, basically some limited sovereignty and some limited autonomy is being granted. Um, now, it's <laughs> because again, the Constitutional Convention was a coalition of liberals and left wingers. Um, there's a lot that's been left to subsequent legislation to hammer out. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, that another, probably the biggest, you know, one of the clearest uh, uh, rules that's being uh, put into place is going to be gender parity. So all public institutions um, and that, and I mean, when I mean all public institutions, I mean, fucking all of them from yeah. the government bureaucracy to uh, firms that are uh, publicly traded must have 50, 50 gender parity. Uh, in their governing bodies um, and in their in just in employment as well um, in, in these institutions, which is is again knowing where we're coming, where the Chilean people are coming from. To this is nothing short of revolutionary. Yeah. Um, now, there's a lot more to it. Obviously, um, we could be here, but we are about to round the hour. Um, I wonder now. When we're looking at the polls, for example, there has been declining support 
for the Constitution. The latest poll I saw, saw was a slight edge to a no vote. Now, if they vote no, there has been word from both uh, the Borich administration and some other groups that, well, we'll just go back and rewrite a new constitution. But yeah. it's not really clear how that would work. There really isn't a mechanism for in place if uh, there's a no vote, uh, simply because if there's a no vote, the Pinochet constitution stands. Um, now, if there is a yes vote, this is very much just the beginning of the constitution of, of the political change in Chile. And, you know, considering, you know, where, you know, how we got to this point, how Chileans got to the point of even getting a constitution. I mean, they were very much ready to burn their, to burn the fucking place down, man. Yeah. They, uh, again, 5% of the Chilean people were marching in Santiago. You know what I mean? That's enormous numbers. Um, these are people who have learned incredible lessons that, you know, if they fight, they win. Um, so I think now we should uh, tempt fate. Yeah, I, I want to ask you a question because you're you're there. You're in the belly of the beast in the U.S. It's a bit different here, but like we saw popular uprisings basically at the same time in the U.S. for very different yeah. reasons, but very similar reasons. What do you think is the difference? in how these things like resulted, right? So obviously in Chile, this is culminated in, they have a new fucking left-wing government or, you know, marginal left-wing government. They have a new constitution potentially, but the U.S. is sort of like, progress was made, I think in, in conventional wisdom, but very f little has been done materially. Like, what do you think is the difference there? Considering that, like you even mentioned that there's a lot of similarities between the old Chilean constitution and the United, in the American constitution. Um, well, so the, the first one is, is going to be kind of, it's going to sound like a cop out, but it's very much true that people need to think about is just the sheer size of the United States. Yeah. Um, the United States is very much several, several countries like stitched together. Now I don't mean the States, although the States, the individual state structure is important here, but the regions alone, but like regionally, like the Great Lakes region is its own thing. The South is its own thing. North, the Northeast, the West Coast, California and Texas and Florida are, and New York in some respects, are their own like independent yeah. poles of power, yeah. right? Um, I think one of the biggest differences is is just the sheer size of the United States. So when you want to, so we want to analyze the effects of popular uprisings, specifically say the uh, the 2020 uprising, I think probably with the one you're really thinking of, you have to look at kind of a little bit more of a granular level. So like take New York, for example. Uh, in New York, socialists keep on getting elected to uh, their state house. Really phenomenal results. Socialists keep on getting elected to local and state governments all across the country. It's slow. So you have to look at it kind of on a state-by-state state uh, basis. On the other hand, the reaction also advances, right? Idaho is on the verge of falling to like a really explicitly white supremacist Republican Party. Virginia went reactionary in many respects with our very idiotic governor. Let's just keep it real here. Just dumbass governor. Florida. Um, Florida, yeah. Florida is becoming just the fucking, you know, Ron DeSantis is like basically like 
the satanic version of Huey Long, you know, basically, you know, firing and like involving himself in like local school boards and local governments in in just in a very bizarre, very like, you know, iron glove sort of way. Um, So you kind of have to look at it by a state by state basis. I I don't know um, if it's very analytically useful to try to examine it like with national trends. Now, at the same time, you know, Joe Biden, or excuse me, Joe Brandon just uh, canceled $10,000 of student debt, right? That's due to, that was due to political pressure and organizing. Mm. Um, the NLRB under Joe Biden um, is largely the way it is because of like a lot of pressure that organized labor put on Biden during the election. Um, and uh, so, you know, they won concessions. So now we have a National Labor Relations Board, probably the greatest NLRB in my lifetime, for sure, probably since before Ronald Reagan, to be quite frank, um, that has that is not basically that isn't actively hostile to labor. So like there's a lot of good happening. There's a lot of bad happening. But, you know, it, it in many ways, it's a very different political culture, too. You know, yeah. they have a recent history of of a of a dictatorship, you know, that's going to mean something to people. This is one of the reasons why in, say, Greece, for example, there was such mobilization against their neo-Nazis because they had they had democracy, lost democracy, had democracy repeatedly over the 20th century. So there are people in living memory who, who remember the disappearances. Now, it's not to say that disappearances aren't happening in the United States. They do happen. Yeah. But the sheer size of the country and the sort of amnesic political culture, the fact that Americans have the memories of goldfish, yeah. um, prevent us from stitching these these movements and these victories and losses into one seamless whole would be my best guess. I know a bit of a cop out, but I mean, it's, it's, I think it's true. Yeah, no, I think you said something really profound there as well. The fact that um, there was a dictatorship in people's like living memory, right? They can point to the dictatorship because when I talk to a lot of Chileans, we always do the thing like, oh, like I'm, I hear that they have an accent or whatever. I would do, oh, you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Chile. Oh, you're from Puerto Rico, blah, 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 blah. And I always make the joke like, oh yeah, you know, you know, it's full of Chileans here. And every single time, oh, see, por la, por la dictadura, por el golpe. Por la, they, they say it's because of the dictatorship, of the, you know, of the coup. You know what I mean? Not like, oh, yeah, you know, we came here for a better life, whatever, something abstract. You know what I mean? Because you and I and the people think like us, we could, we could point to the United States and be like, this is a dictatorship of capital, right? We, can, we, could, we, could, right. we could talk about this in sort of abstract terms that it might not be one person controlling everything, but it's a whole economic political system that's controlling everything that we could we could point that and be like this is a dictatorship of capital this is a dictatorship of whatever you want to call it but that's harder to parse out and explain to people it's not as obvious as one motherfucker there like ordering the murder of somebody else and taking his spot and then you know it's not as tangible as what they have and i guess that's that's probably to do with it as well like like you were saying um and I wonder as well that um, it's if it's if it has anything to do with the classes of people involved in the protest, right? So you have the um, the protest in the U.S. It, it was very obvious, like with the the sides, right? The battle lines were very very clear. Who was on one side? Who was on the other? Whereas I don't know if like in Chile those were blurred a little bit. So you might have people who are pro- like proximal to like a petit bourgeois or, or more of an upper middle class with lower class people 
Whereas in the U.S., I feel it's basically you have these people on, on top who want to preserve their power against people down here. You know what I mean? Like if the line in the United States is much more clear so that when the, once the dust settles, it just sort of cements itself. It goes, oh, those people over there were the ones who were um, protesting against us who we, you know, we're just trying to, we're real Americans. We're trying to construct this. Whereas in Chile, it's almost like a more universal thing of people come together. Like we all need to come together because this is all bullshit for everybody. I think it's, I, I, I actually, I agree, but with some, I think it's a blend of that actually. So Chile was deeply unequal where the yeah. upper class was very small as and is very small as compared to the rest of the population you know the upper class in chile has access to really high quality private services you know it's it, chile is a great place to be if you're very rich it's like the united states it's a great it's america the united states is very much the greatest country in the world if you're rich yeah if you have money right but the thing to remember too about like people with money is that there's millions of millionaires in the united states right I think the la the I think the number is something like uh, anywhere from ten to twenty million people in the United States are millionaires, have a million dollars, right? So we do have like a gentry class. Like it is, you're right, Leroy, in that like the lines are pretty stark. The it's the working class versus like the the owners and the bosses and the landlords, but there's a shit ton of bosses and owners and landlords, yeah. a shit ton, yeah. right? More than people seem to realize, you know, this is why, you know, people I, I'm always confused when some are surprised at the mass base of right wing politics in the United States because there's a fuck ton of them. There's a lot yeah. of them. They have a base. You know, the conservatism is a populist movement yeah. in the United States. There's a lot like, of um, car dealership owners. There are. There are. <laughs> there's a lot of landlords. There's a lot of franchise boss, franchisee yeah. owners. You know, there's a bunch uh, of people you know, who own like three or four McDonald's. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not filthy rich, but yeah. they're like in that tier. Right, right. They're, and they are the, they were the social base of Donald Trump. You know, people always like, you know, the mainstream media always had a problem like, oh, Trump is winning these poor counties. Yeah, he's winning, he's winning the rich people in working class communities. Yeah. He's yeah. winning the bosses of poor people. He's winning the landlords of poor people. Yeah. Just quickly on that. Um, it's it's very stark. Like where I, I grew up in Osceola County, Florida, right? That's predominantly Hispanic, whatever. It was it's a blue county. Just across the land is Polk County. Very rural, a lot of um migrant labor. So you get a lot of Central American, a lot of you go through some of these places, they're filthy poor, like run down trailer parks, whatever. So you think all oh, these are a bunch of poor people. But every so often you see a fucking massive ass mansion with big ass fucking trucks, and it's a solid red county because it's those people. Because the poor people aren't voting. Like half of them are undocumented. They can't vote. You know, half the population is undocumented and can't vote. So the people who are voting are these sparse millionaires. Yeah. You know, if you're you're undocumented, if you've ever if you if you're a felon, you know, and you lose your right to vote, Floridians tried to restore the votes of felons. Um, but then uh, their government decided, actually, we've decided that we don't care. Fuck you. Um that that's that's how people you know virginia was the same way for a long time um where we had rates similar to florida where there was it was something like one out of four black people in in virginia was effectively disenfranchised because they were uh felons 
right? Yeah. Um, Florida is something like ridiculous as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had our goofy Democrat government beforehand restore voting rights, one of the few actual genuinely good accomplishments of of the Democrats when they ran Virginia for like about 10 years. They had that 10-year period of control. Um, but uh, we're getting kind of, we're getting kind of uh, a bit off topic. I think uh, now we're about at the, at the hour mark. So we're going to tempt fate. Like I was about to say, we're going to tempt fate. Mm. Predictions, man. Predictions. Let's let's take a drink of the lathe of heaven. Let's do that. Mach- <laughs> let's <laughs> let's do the machete mate curse. Uh, let's, let's lay our predictions. Uh, do do you think they're gonna? How are they gonna vote this Sunday, man? You tell me. The thing is, like you know me, I'm 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 probably one of the more pessimistic people on the on the pod. Um, I think capital reaction are strong, man, and like it's hard it's hard to undo decades and decades of like a, a system. You know what I mean? Like a lot of this, I t- always, cause I, you know, in a past life, I was, you know, personal trainer, I was powerlifter, whatever. Yeah. Um, I always say like, you spend an entire lifetime, you know, moving a certain way, eating a certain way. You're not going to fix it in a month or two. You know, it's a process to get even halfway of where you want to go. And I sort of, you know, extrapolate, I don't know if extrapolate is the right word, but like kind of imprint that on like, politics as well like it's going to take more than a constitutional convention more than like a year or two of things moving in a positive direction to undo decades and decades of deeply ingrained you know societal sort of um culture you know what i mean because yeah we have a lot of young people we have you know borch borch is our age you know what i'm like literally he's like our age um but there's many more people out there who are a lot older who reminisce fondly on the way things were before or just can't be bothered you know moving or trying to work towards something new because oh it's not great but like you know it's the devil you know right like we just got to work harder you know just being that whole bullshit um i'm hopeful because the last poll that i saw it was very marginal right i think yeah, no yeah. was just up maybe two or three percent um which could be within like the 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 plus or minus the whatever it's called um margin of error um but we'll see i'm hopeful but i don't know again that's a cop out but so is that a no are you saying they're going to vote no they're not going to approve the constitution i think they're going to vote no okay i am going to say they're going to vote yes actually because uh, based kind of a, a little bit on the Boric result. So Boric was not polling well, and he outperformed He outperformed uh, the, the polls uh, by like 5% uh, when he was elected. So I think, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be very close. But I think the Constitution is going to be approved. I really do. If anything, from exhaustion, from political exhaustion, oh, um, like a sense of like, let's just get this shit over with and like yeah. get back to a sense of normality. I guess. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see who wins. Whoever on our next episode, we'll do bragging rights. You know, the other one will make sense. What I'm saying is like, I I hope, I hope you're correct. I hope you're correct. So like, I'm not going to feel down if I'm wrong and I'm going to be happy if I'm wrong. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh shit, I lost this bet. Oh no, what the fuck? But, um, (laughs) nah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely see. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, obviously I'll probably be exposed to some earlier results just because the Chilean community is massive here. 
Um, so hopefully that'll send a trend. And from what I can tell for a lot of these places, a lot of like expat communities for different South American countries around the world, it's very interesting because for the most part, they always vote, their vote is always left-leaning, except in the United States. Like the Colombian community in the U.S. voted like, you know, right wing, like the Ecuadorian community in the U.S. was voted right wing. But like you looked at everywhere, like here in Australia, you know, in Europe, whatever, the votes are always like left leaning. Um, But we'll see. All right. All right. Um, I guess we'll just wrap it up there. So, again, a lot to consider like i think that was just a drop in the bucket because i think one thing that we always say is chile is one of the most complicated places just and it's important to understand chile within the context of the region because i think chile is the case study in global north global south relations right you have this country in the south that's basically a i think client is even too like dismissive of the relationship like it's very much like you're going to be the, the mini us, right, um, in the region. And I think to understand South America is to understand Chile and, and Brazil because there's a lot of parallels, you know, military dictatorship and all that stuff, you know, coming out of that. Very different but very, very similar. So those two countries for me have always been vitally important to understanding, you know, the way the region goes and relations with, with the North as well. Um, so definitely keep an eye out. Um, when it comes to Chile, I'm always going to recommend watching the um, the the documentary movie slash whatever um, battle of chile all three parts are on youtube it's phenomenal it's basically a live documentary of the election of allende from his campaigning to the actual fucking coup you know what i mean like it's it's incredible it's quite incredible it's it's, so a, it's a stunning historical document it really is yeah like there's there's a scene where like you could see the cameraman shooting his own murder like it's 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 wild um but yeah, so with that said, thanks for tuning in. Um, glad to be back with you, my brother, T. Um, always yeah. fun to do this. Hell yeah. Um, who who says we need Austin, right? Nah. Love yeah, Austin. fuck him. Fuck him. Nah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully um, we can get a shoot together next week and sort of recap the results. Hopefully they're in a positive direction. Um, otherwise, I'm sure we'll have things to say about like what we reckon will be the next steps forward to get back on track. Um, but yeah, with that said, um, so dear to everyone and hasta la victoria. Take care y'all. And in the words, the slogan, neoliberalism was born in Chile and it will will die die in Chile. Chile. Exactly. Inshallah. Peace.